The 2023 World Baseball Classic got started early last week, but the Orioles playing in the event, well, they didn't take the field until this weekend. But wow, did they shine in the WBC. Anthony Santander, now the star of the tournament, Dean Kramer dominates, and much more Orioles news and notes coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, March 13th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got a bunch of Orioles news and notes to get to. We're going to start with the World Baseball Classic with Anthony Santander, Dean Kramer, and even Ryan Long showing out in the WBC this weekend. Then we'll get to some notes from Sarasota, what's going on still at spring training as the roster battles continue. Specifically talk about some pitching performances over the last few spring training games, especially with not many of them being televised. And then we'll get to some Orioles injury news from camp. We have an update on DL Hall, Felix Bautista, John Means, and others. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, and we're here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. We thank you so much for continuing to subscribe, continuing to tune in. We are very, very close. 17 days away from opening day. You'll get all the coverage right here on the only daily Orioles podcast out there. So let's jump right into it on a Monday episode. Orioles news and notes taking it around town. And let's start with the World Baseball Classic because I know people have varying opinions on this event. You know, it got pushed back a couple times because of the pandemic. So they're having it this year for the first time since 2017. And in 2017, we had that amazing Orioles moment with Adam Jones robbing Manny Machado of the home run, that crazy play in San Diego. And we're having some amazing Orioles moments again this week. Now, it got started on Wednesday, the World Baseball Classic did, but the games involving the Orioles didn't really start until this weekend. We got to see Team USA and Team Venezuela take the mound, or take the the field, I should say, Team Israel as well. Those are really the three teams to watch when it comes to the Orioles players, with Anthony Santander, Dean Kramer, and Cedric Mullins being the representatives. Now, as I record this here on Sunday evening, Team USA has not played its second game, which is against Team Mexico. Cedric Mullins did not appear in Game 1 Saturday night when the U.S. beat Great Britain 6-2 to to open up pool play, so hopefully he you know, had a great night Sunday night. I just wasn't up for all of it. But either way... The O's were still showing out, and of course we have to start with the weekend that Anthony Santander has had for Team Venezuela. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. And this Venezuela team, it is stacked, and it was already good for Santander to just be in the starting lineup, heck, to just be on this team, and then be in the starting lineup for each of their first two games against really good teams in the tournament favorite in the Dominican Republic, and then a really good Puerto Rican squad in Game 2 on Sunday. And what does Santander do? I would argue that he has stolen the show at the WBC so far. Like, there's a couple of other names that have been great. You know, Yu Chang for Taiwan has had some big hits, but unfortunately, they didn't get out of the knockout round. Of course, Shohei Otani has already had some big moments for Team Japan, and there's been some others who have 
who have really come through. You know, Team Italy's had a cool run into the knockout stage. But Anthony Santander, for the energy that is in those games in Miami, game one of that pool, Venezuela and the Dominican Republic. The DR, the favorites to win this event. Just a loaded, basically an MLB all-star team. Venezuela's team is great too. And Santander comes out there and goes yard in the first inning. His first ever World Baseball Classic at bat. He takes the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara, deep into the second deck at Marlins Park to tie the game at one. And even if that was the only moment Santander had in this World Baseball Classic, it would have been unforgettable. Yet, Santander gets back out there in the seventh inning. Huge moment, the DR threatening, and makes an incredible lunging, diving catch in right field to save at least one run and keep Venezuela in the lead. And then in the eighth inning, he triples down the right field line and scores on a single to get an insurance run for Venezuela. They beat the DR 5-1 to one in the opening game, the, one of the biggest upsets so far. He goes 2-4 for four with that home run and the triple, and all of a sudden people are talking about Anthony Santander because he brought the energy, as did Team Venezuela as a whole. But you're thinking, okay, it could just be one game. So Venezuela goes back out there on Sunday evening against Puerto Rico, another really tough opponent. And Santander comes up in the first inning against not as good a pitcher. This time it's Jose Barrios, who did have a, a rough 2022 with the Blue Jays, but before that with Minnesota was great. And Santander is hit against Barrios a good amount. What does he do? Three-run homer into right field to put Venezuela up 4 nothing in the first inning. And it's become the Santander show. When the show should have been all about how good that Dominican Republic team is, it's been all about Anthony Santander. They got to line up with, you know, guys like Ronald Acuna and also legends like Miguel Cabrera on that team Venezuela. And it's Santander who is dominating. And as I record this, that game between Puerto Rico and Venezuela is not over, but Venezuela leading it 7-1 to in the 5th and looks like they're going to scroll to a win. And we'll see if Santander does some more things as well. But, man, you know, he, he had a great year last year. A 120 WRC+. Plus. He had a team-high 33 homers. Hitting in the middle of an Orioles order for a team that, you know, made a playoff push. And not many people know his name and, and know his story and know who he is. You know, the Rule 5 draft pick from Cleveland who was so injured that, you know, Cleveland didn't even put him on the 40-man roster, and the O's stashed him away with injury for a while and finally starting to break out here. And now everybody is going to know that name. And speaking of knowing that name, there were a lot of eyes on the Sunday game, too, that open play on Sunday between Israel and Nicaragua. Now, it was the first game of the draw for Team Israel. And looking at their team, you know, they have some hitters on that team, but people knew Israel was going to struggle, A, because of the pool that they are in, being with the Dominican Republic and with Venezuela and with Puerto Rico, but also because they really don't have any pitching. Now, they have a couple good relievers, including Richard Blyer, the former Oriole, but the only basically legitimate starting pitcher they have is Dean Kramer. Everybody else, minor leaguers, journeyman guys, not a lot of talent in the starting rotation. So they send Kramer out there in game one of the WBC against Nicaragua, you know, the weakest other team in the group, a game they have to win to have any chance to advance to the knockout stage. And what does Dean Kramer do? Four scoreless innings, three hits, four Ks, just one walk, and does it in just 49 pitches, allowing just one hard hit ball in four innings of work. Now, there are pitch count rules in the WBC, and no pitcher can throw more than 65 pitches in pool play, in, in one game of pool play, I should say. Now, you would think, oh, he's only at 49. Why didn't they send him back out there for the fifth? We know that the Orioles have been in heavy contact with Team Israel. Ian Kinsler is the manager over there talking about 
restrictions on Kramer, and it probably means he had more like a 50-pitch count that was set by the Orioles. So he gets four innings done in 49 pitches. Israel goes to the bullpen. They get three runs in the eighth and end up beating Nicaragua 3-1 to one in their opening game. But Kramer was the star, and what was really interesting was how Kramer did it and what his stuff looked like. Now, what his stuff looks like now, you know, throwing March 12th isn't necessarily what it's going to be when he, I would presume, takes the mound probably April 2nd in Game 2 or maybe April 1st uh, in Game 2 or 3 of the season for the Orioles. But watching the pitch mix, he basically went with three pitches. And actually, StatCast and Baseball Savant, they said he threw 33 cutters out of his 49 pitches. But that was actually not the case because we got to see Kramer's new pitch for the first time. And as Nathan Ruiz wrote about earlier this spring training in the Baltimore Sun, how Kramer and Kyle Bradish just kind of trained side-by-side all offseason. We're both trying to add things to their repertoire. Dean Kramer added a sweeper slider to his mix. You know, last year, he was basically four-seam cutter change-up curveball. And then he kind of added that two-seam sinker halfway through the year him and Bradish did that helped them both get better down the stretch. So now he's added the sweeper slider as well. And so you're looking at his repertoire, and he's now got six pitches. And the question is, well, what is he going to throw? Well, in this start, he threw the cutter, he threw the slider, and he threw the four-seamer, and that was about it. StatCast tracked him with two sinkers and one curveball and zero change-ups, which wasn't his most used pitch, but a pitch that got him some outs in 2022. So it'll be interesting to see if Kramer does start again for Team Israel, what the stuff looks like. Then, if he does toss in more curves and more sinkers and more change-ups, but that sweeper slider was nasty. He got a couple of his strikeouts on that pitch. It was kind of 82-83 on the day, and then his four-seam fastball velocity was up a little bit. He sat 93 last year. He was sitting 94 and was up to 96 in this game. Probably a little adrenaline as well, pitching for Team Israel, something we know is is super big and, and, and super important for Dean Kramer. But the stuff was legit. I'm not saying he was facing a great order for Nicaragua. There wasn't a lot of major leaguers in that order, not many at all, but he was still mowing them down. And Kramer looked really, really good in his WBC debut. And to see that sweeper and how good it was and how much he threw it, Dean Kramer could be even better in 2023 if he's got that pitch working like that. And then as I mentioned, Cedric Mullins did not play in game one for Team USA. The one other guy I did want to mention is Ryan Long, who is one of the Orioles' minor leaguers that is competing in this event. He's playing for Team Great Britain. Long, who the Orioles took late in the 2021 draft, a right-handed pitcher out of a Division III school in California. Well, Long came into the game for Great Britain, relieving Vance Worley, another former Oriole, in the game against Team USA on Saturday night. And yes, Long did give up a three-run homer to Kyle Schwarber, which kind of broke the game open for Team USA. But what can you expect from a guy who spent his whole 2022 season in low A Del Marva? Long, who pitched the whole year for the Shorebirds last year, threw about 73 innings and had a 3.10 ERA. Had a good season. He was named Shorebirds Pitcher of the Year last year. Had a great year. But facing a lineup of MLB All-Stars when you've only pitched in low A can be tough. And while he did give up that home run to Schwarber, only one run was charged to him. He ends up going an inning and two-thirds, three hits, a run, a strikeout, no walks, And that one strikeout came against none other than Mike Trout as he blew a 3-2, 94-mile-per-hour fastball by Trout to end the inning. Long was up to 97 in the outing, but, I mean, that's got to feel good 
to be in single A one year and the next spring come strike out Mike Trout when pitching for your country. But I'm sure there will be many more big moments for the Orioles in the WBC. We'll hope to see Cedric Mullins soon for Team USA. Santander seems to be just riding with his Venezuela team, and they're going to continue to play, you would think, into the knockout round. And then, who knows, Dean Kramer could take the mound again for Team Israel. But there's also a lot going on back in Sarasota, where most of the Orioles still are for spring training. And coming up next, we'll get to some updates on mostly some pitchers, just kind of run through some guys, their performances over the last few days in spring training for the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's, it's just so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And on the employee's end, it's so easy to find those jobs, apply to those jobs, and get that job as well. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So while a couple of Orioles have been dominating in the World Baseball Classic, back in Sarasota at spring training, a lot has been going on for the O's as well. I wanted to run through just a couple of performances from some guys, some updates on some players, because we haven't been with you all weekend. And at the end of last week, we had our two episodes with the Orioles minor league draft. Make sure to check those out with Bob Phelan, Nick Stevens, and Zach Spedden, the guys from the BSL On The Verge podcast that do such a great job covering the Orioles minor league system. Those two episodes were fun, but just wanted to jump back into Sarasota and spring training very briefly here. Uh, as the O's are still chugging along and trying to put together those 26 players they are going to take to Boston for opening day. wanted to start with just a shout-out to Keegan Aiken, who threw two more scoreless innings on Sunday and has now thrown five scoreless innings this spring. Brandon Hyde talking about, after the game Sunday, how good Aiken has looked. And it just seems like Keegan Aiken kind of inching closer and closer to making this opening day roster. Now, I'm going to do my third opening day roster prediction coming up on tomorrow's episode, so look for, forward to that. And... Going to be talking a little bit about Keegan Aiken. Andrew Politti, the Rule 5 pick from the Red Sox for the Orioles. He had been run along this spring, but did have his first rough outing of the spring over the weekend. Back on Thursday against the Phillies. This was actually a televised game by NBC Sports Philadelphia. Allowed two homers, four runs, got just two outs in that one. We got to see the fastball, the change up, the curve. Fastball was kind of low to mid-90s. Change up, I didn't love. The curveball was pretty good, though. I... Uh, it had me teetering on whether or not he'll make the roster, but you know, a, a tough break for him because he had been rolling along. But speaking of rolling along, I mean, Kyle Bradish just continues to be one of the Orioles' best pitchers this spring. Goes four innings in his start over the weekend, eight strikeouts, just one run allowed. I mean, he, he's ready, it seems. I mean, his next start, you'll think he'll go five innings and may have one more after that where he goes five innings again, but, but that could be it, his next start. He's good. He's... He's looking great and ready to go this season. I am fired up to see Kyle Bradish this year. On the other end, I talked last week on an episode about Austin Voth's struggles 
and how he basically has no shot at making the starting rotation at this point, but his spot in the bullpen may be teetering a little bit after the struggles, and the struggles continued for Voth, who got the start in Saturday's spring training game. Two and two-thirds innings, he gave up three runs on two hits, he walked three batters and did not strike anyone out in that game on Saturday. And Voth is an interesting case that I'll get to a lot again on tomorrow's opening day roster prediction episode, but... You know, he's not going to be a starter. So if he makes the team, it's going to be out of the bullpen. And he's pitched out of the pen a bit for the Orioles since they claimed him off waivers last year. And he can go one inning. He can go multiple innings. But the thing about Voth is that's maybe keeping him around a little longer is he's one of the only pitchers on this staff that doesn't have any more minor league options, which means if he was really struggling, the Orioles couldn't just send him to AAA. They'd have to put him on waivers. And because of the stuff alone, almost certainly someone would claim him off waivers. So... Unless this gets like to dire straits, he's going to be, I think, on the opening day roster. But there could be a quick hook with him if he continues to struggle early. Because there's going to be other guys like Mike Bauman and others who can play that swingman role. Spencer Watkins, who has pitched well, who could step in for him. And speaking of Mike Bauman, he had been pitching well. It did not go well on Saturday. He came in after Austin Voth in Saturday's game. And Bauman had been great this spring training. This one wasn't good. He went an inning and two-thirds scoreless, and then things fell apart. Ended up pitching just two innings, allowing six earned runs in that game. He had a good first inning of his outing, and then came back out for the second one. It just kind of fell apart, gave up a lot of hits, a home run. Hopefully he can flush that one and get back to it, because I feel like Bauman is right on the roster bubble right now for the Orioles, and he can't afford big blow-up bad games, and so hopefully he rebounds his next time, because, again, I'll talk about it tomorrow, right on that roster bubble. Grayson Rodriguez, I don't think on the roster bubble. I think he's going to make the team. He got the start on Sunday. Three innings, four runs, four hits, six Ks, and two walks. He was really rolling along through, you know, two and two-thirds, through three, and then he just came back out there, and that fourth inning did not go well. He got through three innings pretty well, and then he came out in that fourth inning, did not get an out. All four of the runs scored. He did have six strikeouts, and... It wasn't exactly a great lineup he was facing. He was facing a lineup of mostly high minor leaguers against Boston in the spring training game on Sunday. So it's a little concerning that they got to him like that, but I wouldn't be too, too concerned. It was three good innings before things kind of went downhill. But the Orioles did win Sunday's spring training game, and they were helped by Nolan Hoffman, who was the sidearm reliever who was injured for most of 2022 after the Orioles brought him over before last season in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft, plucked him from Seattle's system. He's kind of an older sidearm reliever who has some really interesting stuff. He now has four saves in big league camp this spring, and he wasn't even a non-roster invitee. He's in minor league camp. The O's just keep taking him with him because they always take extra minor league pitchers for extra arms, and he now has four saves. And again, when you're pitching in the ninth inning of a spring training game, you're mostly basically facing double-A guys, and that's where Hoffman was in 2022, so it's not surprising he's getting guys out. But he's faced a few major leaguers here and there, and definitely some triple-A guys, and he's pitching really, really well. He's not going to be in the big leagues, but I think we'll see him in the Tides bullpen for a good amount this year. And with that stuff and with the delivery, he could be in Baltimore in 2023 couple of hitters, though, to get to. Franchi Cordero had a two-for-three day over the weekend with a couple RBIs. He's now 10-for-21, and although five of the outs are strikeouts and he hasn't walked yet, 10-for-21 is a pretty insane stretch, even if it's just a small sample size for a guy like Franchi Cordero, who has struck out as much as he had in his career. Just something to monitor, as maybe the O's would have some sort of bench spot open. 
Adley Rutschman hit a grand slam in Sunday's game. Would have been nice to see it. Nobody was broadcasting it. And then Gunnar Henderson made an amazing play last week at shortstop defensively in the game against the Phillies. He's made some great plays at short. I think most of us, including myself, are penciling him in defensively to third base because Jorge Mateo was literally the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball last year. Mateo will be returning to the roster in 2023. But it's good to know just how good Henderson is because I don't think anyone really thinks Mateo is the long-term solution for the Orioles at shortstop. And whenever Mateo moves on or the Orioles move on from him, it's going to be a seamless transition. Obviously, it's going to be better offensively, much better. But it's pretty seamless defensively, it seems, when Gunnar Henderson takes over that spot. But all those names I mentioned, whether they were performing well or performing poorly, at the very least, they were all healthy which hasn't been the case for the guys I'm going to talk about next to finish up the pod. There's been a solid amount of injuries in Orioles camp, and we got updates on a lot of those guys over the past few days. So get you caught up on some Orioles injury news from Sarasota to finish out the pod right after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. And listen, it is March. The brackets for the men's and women's tournaments came out on Sunday. But also the built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or a favorite built puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. Now, I will be voting for the peanut butter brownie bar. That is the number one. And if you want the Orioles to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar, or your puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will get a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You gotta try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, but they've also got 17 grams of protein in every single bar. It's real chocolate, and it's still low in sugar and still good for you. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. So to finish up today's Orioles News and Notes episode, just want to get to some injury news from the O's because actually over the past couple of days, we've gotten a lot of updates on the injured Orioles. And unsurprisingly, it's mostly pitchers. So let's start with the hitters. We do have one tough update for a guy in Ryan O'Hearn, who's been playing really well this spring training, 9 for 19 at the dish. He is day-to-day with knee soreness. Missed Sunday's game. Looks like he won't play Monday. Shouldn't be too, too long before he's back in the lineup, but he's trying to battle for a roster spot here. Has been playing well, but a tough break for him. But the O's did get another guy back, and that is Taron Vavra, who was having a a little bit of a shoulder issue that kept him out for a few days. He got back into the Orioles lineup in spring training games over the weekend. He's, I think, going to be on the roster, but is also battling for a spot. He's certainly not a lock right now for the opening day roster. So big for Vavra that the injury didn't keep him out much. He got back and continued to hit over the weekend, and I do think he's going to make this team. So let's throw it to the pitchers. And these are some big names, all guys that could be huge contributors for the Orioles this season. Let's start with John Means. Of course, he's the big injury name we've been talking about. Got Tommy John surgery last April. Well, he's continuing to throw. And last week, 
He threw 20 fastballs in his first half mound session. Again, that is not a full mound. That is a half mound he's throwing off of. But to throw 20 fastballs, even though he's not throwing anything off speed or breaking, still a good sign. He had a good session. He's looking to move forward and said he felt good or felt at least where he should be after that session. And once again, the Orioles expect John Means back by about mid-July. I'd say after the All-Star break is kind of the target right now to get Means back in the big leagues. Dylan Tate also threw off the half mound last week. Of course, Tate is recovering from that forearm injury where the Orioles said at the very least he's going to be out all of April and potentially more. But when you hear forearm injury, you always think that may lead to elbow and then Tommy John. But it's good to hear that Tate is back to throwing, even if it's off the half mound. And again, we won't see him for April, but hopefully some point in May, the Orioles will have maybe their most reliable reliever back in that bullpen. Continuing with the bullpen, Nick Vespi is pretty much back. He had that hernia surgery this offseason, kind of delayed his ramp up. But he is going to pitch, it looks like, in the spring training game today for the Orioles. That's big time. O's have a split squad today, so two different games. Looks like Vespi will pitch in one of those games for the first time this spring, which means... He should be built up for opening day. Now, whether he makes the opening day bullpen is a whole other question we'll get to tomorrow, but it at least looks like he's going to be healthy for opening day. That was in question at one point. And it also looks like Felix Bautista is trending towards being healthy for opening day. Bautista continues to throw side sessions, and the Orioles' plan, tentative plan right now, is to get Bautista to pitch in the game on Thursday. So three days away, Bautista will pitch. Now, Felix Bautista and the Orioles have said they'd like for him to get into four or five spring training games before opening day, and that would tell them he's ready to go to be on the opening day roster. Now, if he pitches Thursday, that would give him, after that, about 11 games to get four appearances. So if he pitches Thursday, basically he'd get 10 games to get three appearances. That's about an appearance every three days. That's pretty solid for a reliever. And I think he can do it. And to me, that tells me that it's going to be close. But as long as there's no setbacks in these games that Bautista throws in, I think he's going to be ready to be on the opening day roster, be healthy, and be the Orioles' closer to start the year. And that is a huge, huge break for the Mountain and for the Orioles. And then last but certainly not least is D.L. Hall who hasn't been able to build up fully because of the the little back issue he came into spring training with. But Hall threw a live bullpen on Saturday to live hitters. He said it went well. Brandon Hyde said it went very well. And they're planning another one for tomorrow, for Tuesday. So Hall is planning to throw another live bullpen session on Tuesday. And they're hoping if that one goes well, the next step would be getting Hall into a spring training game. Now, he's not going to start a game, and he would only throw most likely one inning. Because as the Orioles have told us now multiple times, Hall is not going to be built up to be a starter by opening day. Now, the big question is, what do they do with him? Because if Hall does pitch in games later this week, and he said it all along, he thinks he's going to be ready enough to at least be a reliever by opening day. So the O's have this huge question. Do they put him in the bullpen right away because he's not fully built up in the big leagues? Or do they send him to AAA to continue to build up as a starter to begin the season for about a month and then make the decision on his big league role after that? I'll talk about that, what the O's are going to do. I'll make that decision at least for what I would do and what I think the Orioles will do coming up on tomorrow's opening day roster prediction episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
your team every day.